Hey, how are you? What's up? Today is Thursday, June 23rd, the 24th of Sivan, and yesterday was a special day. Now, I, I feel bad telling you what happened yesterday because it's already today or tomorrow, depending on when you're listening, but this is why we need the weekly squeeze to become the daily squeeze, which is something we're currently working on, and by we, I mean you, because the more people who listen and download and share this podcast the more likely it is that the weekly squeeze will become the daily squeeze. Now, just for the record, you guys are doing great. Now, there are no Spotify charts for Jewish podcasts specifically, so this is based on Apple Podcast downloads. So if you're listening on Spotify and you happen to have an iPhone, by all means, go ahead and download the podcast on Apple Podcasts, whether you listen to it already or not. That's very helpful. Drop the links into WhatsApp groups. Share them with your friend. If you find yourself agreeing with me or throwing potato peels at me because you don't like what I'm saying, even better. Let's make the Weekly Squeeze the number one podcast in the United States. Jewish podcast, but you know, you never know. Sky's the limit. All right. So yesterday was a special day. How do I know? Because I got a WhatsApp message. A thousand WhatsApp messages are delivered to my phone a day. 999 of them (laughs) I ignore. But every once in a while, something catches my eye. And I got a message that there is a special prayer for the 23rd of Sivan. Now, I'm so sorry that you didn't know about this. But like I said, if there was a daily squeeze, you would have known that yesterday was the day that Haman's decree to annihilate the Jewish people was nullified. And that's a big deal. And no, we don't celebrate by eating candy or hamantashen. So according to atzmut.org, the holy books teach us that on this day, the 23rd of Sivan, it's a powerful day to revoke and nullify any decree against you. So I lit two candles, one for Mordechai, one for Esther. I gave three coins to tzedakah in my pushka. Even though we are all daily givers, it's important to have a pushka in the house so our children can see that we are actually putting coins inside before we bench licht or before we travel or just throughout the day. Um, I read some Tehillim, Kapitel Ches from Megillus Esther, and Avina Malkina without a bracha. So yeah, when my husband called to share how expensive camp is and how much (laughs) this summer is costing us, I was like, don't worry, your rabbit son of a wife already hooked you up with a skula and we are going to be just fine. And that was reassuring because my husband is a Sephardi and he loves segulais. That's right. So I'm not sure if you've heard, but right now in Israel, there is a strike across the country. Teachers are not working, which is crazy because this is the last week of school. Like this is the week when you cherish <laughs> every moment that your kids are out of the house, knowing that next week everyone's going to be home. But surprise, your kids are home a week early. Honestly, I I don't know if I just gave up during coronavirus or the medication for my PTSD is working overtime, but whatever the case is, we don't pay tuition, so we can't complain. Ultimately, the teachers are at wit's end. They've been negotiating with the finance ministry for the last six months. They claim they have not received even one concrete offer. Well, here's an offer. Actually, I I have nothing to offer, (laughs) except my children. I can offer you my children, who are cute and disciplined and eager and ready to learn everything you have to teach. Huh? No takers? All right, but we will manage just fine. You know why? Because we have Tovito. Yes, this episode of the Weekly Squeeze has been brought to you by Tovito. Now, if your kids are not watching Tovito, what are they watching? I'll tell you. Nonsense. Stuff that will rot their brain. Tovito, on the other hand, has so many great videos that your kids can watch. They actually just uploaded Mimi and Simi, which I personally worked on. I wrote all the songs and the music. 
a story about the power of friendship through song and dance. They have so many great videos for girls and boys of all ages. Remember Kivi and Tuki? Well, you can now watch that. There's also Toodaloo from Maishi Lear, the absolutely hilarious actor slash comedian that will entertain your kids and have them on the floor rolling with laughter. Tove Tove, Agent MS, Rachel's Place. It, it, there's just so much to watch. It is absolutely worth just $9 a month. So head over to tovito.com, use the promo code SQUEEZE10 to get 10% off, and gain hours and hours of access to guilt-free parenting. (laughs) Your life will never be the same. tovito.com. So last week, I had an amazing experience thanks to Secrets of the Old City tour guide Tzvi Sat. So his wife reached out to me And she asked me if I would like a tour of the Old City. And of course, my first reaction was, I've been to the Old City a thousand times. I've walked around. Um, I've gone through the Arab Shook. Like, what else could I possibly need to learn or know about the Old City? Well, turns out that if you have a tour guide who knows what he's talking about, it is an entirely different experience. Now, I don't often take tour guides because, honestly, I don't always have the headspace. I kind of just want to run around, see interesting things, meet interesting people. And tours just seem slow and tedious and lots of talking. And, uh, you know, it's just not my jam. But this was a totally different experience than what I expected. Tzvi is just a super chill dude who lives in the old city. By the way, I'm not trying to market him or pitch him. I'm just letting you know what an amazing experience I had. And you got to hear what happened. So... Tvi meets me in the old city by the Menorah, uh, white shirt, black pants, from Yid, lives in the old city, and he is a licensed tour guide. So he asks me right off the bat, what kind of tour do you want? Do you want to see the Jewish quarter, the Muslim quarter? I'm like, the Muslim quarter. All I want to see is the Muslim quarter. That's it. Just show me every single crack and crevice. So he takes me into the Muslim quarter, and I'm not, I'm not going to recount three hours of this tour, but I experience what it might be like to actually live in the old city. And yes, send your child to a daycare in the Muslim quarter, as Tzvi has, um, and many people do. So, this, you know, the, the Arabs and the Jews are living side by side. Of course, I asked Tzvi, what's the deal with terrorism? Obviously, I could see that the windows of these homes in the Muslim quarter are, you know, gated and there's cameras everywhere, so clearly there are issues. And he said that in the old city, the Arabs and the Jews mostly live together in peace and that 99%, if not 100%, of the terrorism that has taken place, including the murder of Ali K six months ago in the Arab Shuk, was initiated by terrorists that came into the old city and lived in different towns and villages. So he walks comfortably there. He took me into... Um, the textile shook, which most people have probably never seen. And we got as close to the Temple Mount as halakhically permissible. And then we made a left turn into the small wailing wall. So there's a yid there. He's davening. This is a, a small piece of the wall that's closer to the Kadesh Kedoshim. And we notice a group of tourists. And they are all wearing vests that say, these beige vests that say E-A-P-P-I. So Tzvi immediately looks down on his phone and he says, oh, I got a WhatsApp about these guys today. This group is an anti-Israel activist group. And we were notified this morning that they're in the old city and we should share if we 
run into them. Well, we ran into them. <laughs> Leave it to me. I told Svi, whenever I'm around, crazy things happen. So let's watch what unfolds. So these guys were a Christian activist group from Finland. They claim to be the model of advocacy for a just peace based on international humanitarian law and human rights. Whenever we start talking about humanitarian law and human rights, you, you, we know that we're dealing with an anti-Israel group that just believes that Israel is keeping Gaza in an open-air prison and we are wreaking havoc on Palestinian lives and that Israel is the oppressor and we are responsible for crimes against humanity and apartheid and the persecution of millions of Palestinians and because of Israel's blocks, the, the Gaza residents, they, they can't work and they're artists and they're athletes and they're students and they're human beings with so much to offer and Israel is not letting them come into their country and murder their children in their beds. It's, it's our Outrageous. It's really outrageous. Now, mind you, this week Israel announced that they are providing asylum for any Palestinians that have food coloring in their diet. Because apparently if you have food coloring in your diet and you live in Gaza or the West Bank, they will kill you. So Israel announced that they will provide asylum for anybody who needs to raise the food coloring flag. So we're I mean, if, if this is apartheid, we're really bad at it. Whatever the case is, this Finnish group is walking around with an illegal tour guide. Now, Tzvi approaches the tour guide and asks him in Hebrew, where are your documents? Where are your papers? And of course, he gets all uncomfortable and immediately gathers his group and, you know, vacates the area where they had been standing and talking about all the terrible things that Israel does. And... I just, I can't resist. And I'm just like, welcome to Israel, everyone, the land of the Jewish people. Israel belongs to the Jews. And one of the women turns around and says, we're not anti-Semites, we're human rights activists, and Israel does not belong to the Jewish people. And I said, it sure does. So she replies, read the book. And I said, I did read the book. I read the Bible. And she says, so read more books. I said, I read all the books, and Israel belongs to the Jewish people. And I basically escorted them out of the Arab shook five feet away from the, the Temple Mount, just ranting and raving that they are terrorist supporters and that the Palestinians are murderers. And what about the human rights of Jewish children? And it was absolutely amazing. And I loved every single second of it. And if you want to have such an experience, call Tzvisat, <laughs> Secrets of the Old City, because he will let you do your thing and he will show you the old city and share with you the history in the most personal and fun way possible. If you want to pay a little extra, I might be available to cause a ruckus. <laughs> but in the meantime, speaking of people who make a ruckus, let's talk about Donald Trump's daughter and son-in-law who are at the Kaisel this week. I am obsessed. I love classy women. And Ivanka Trump is a classy woman. That's right. And here she is at the Kaisel wearing some sort of head covering, a red string, which, by the way, I heard is just a gimmick. Her husband and her son's are dressed impeccably, and she looks like any other modern Orthodox multimillionaire who lives in a $38 million home <laughs> whose father was once the president of the United States. Very, very normal and regular people. Um, maybe we'll run into them. So Ivanka, if you see a woman ranting and raving in the old city, running after tour groups, yelling that <laughs> Israel belongs to the Jewish people, that's me. Okay, what else is going on in the world? Let's move to the UK. There is a sitter available now for people with learning disabilities. And I thought this was a beautiful story. The new United Synagogue Edition sitter is called the Sitter for Everyone. And it was designed specifically to be used by people with 
learning disabilities. It was launched at a special event at the Gesher School, which describes itself on his website as a school that offers children who are differently able and learn differently in exemplary and tailored education. So they created a sitter that Rabbi Ephraim Mervis says is a sitter for everyone so that every single Jew can feel a connection to Judaism and know that this is their very own prayer book. This sitter uses the Picture Exchange Communication System, P-E-C-S, which is a series of picture symbols, words, or photographs that help people in the autism spectrum communicate without speech. This is really, really beautiful. And I, I have nothing specifically to add because this is just a perfect story. So different from this story, (laughs) apparently the Oxford University Press released a special three-volume set of the Oxford Annotated Mishnah, a new translation of the Mishnah with introduction and notes. I don't learn Gemara. I don't learn Mishnah. I don't know what is special about this book, except that the price is $645. Now, people who do study the Mishnah and who were excited about this release were very disappointed because if you buy books, they are expensive enough when they're $20, $30. But $645, what happened to making Tyra accessible and attainable for all of us? If you have to spend $645, I'm just going to wait until it's available at the library. Although, you can go to safaria.org slash il slash texts, and there is access to the Tanakh, the Talmud, Halacha, Sidurim, uh, Sifri Musr, and all kinds of other Sifarim for free that you could access online. If this is not Mashiach's times, I don't know what is. I'm trying to figure out a way to uh, transition into my next subject. And I don't know if Mashiach wants us to be offline. Because if we're offline and we don't have smartphones, how are we going to know that Mashiach is here? Because we do know now that the concept of everybody hearing the Shifer and everybody knowing that Mashiach will be here can only come into fruition thanks to technology. Everyone will get a WhatsApp. Mashiach is here. So so, so grab your stuff and, and head to the airport. But if you don't have WhatsApp, you might just miss the boat. I am going to announce that Mashiach is here on my Instagram account. So if you are following me, you will know. Last night was the Nikadesh event uh, in English. There was one in Yiddish and one in English. And I got some live tweets from the event, even though there were strict instructions not to publicize or share anything that took place. You cannot speak about Fight Club. <laughs> you cannot speak about the Nikadesh anti-internet conference. But rules are meant to be broken. And Aisha Schaver on Twitter <laughs> was there tweeting, and I will read you those tweets. So here we go. Rabbi Gottlieb opened. He's the director of TAG. If you don't know what TAG is, this is right from their website. TAG stands at the forefront in the battle of the Nisayin of technology. They provide all kinds of free community services for computers, smartphones, laptops, and many other digital services to have them blocked or filtered in order to retain our Yiddish values. So he opened the evening by saying that each and every one of us involved can seek to be holy in the face of technological challenges. That is the goal of the evening. Rabbi Joey Haber answers three questions. Why are we here? What needs to change? And why does it need to change? We are here because we are being fooled, quote unquote. The Talmud explains that Klyestral always had a Yeshuv Hadas, but now in 2022, we've lost it. We are fooled about the menace that is technology. We couldn't anticipate what it would mean to our society. What do we need to do? We need to change our perspective. Suddenly, Gashmius dictates what we do and Ruchnius fits between the cracks. We need to reassess and reverse this phenomena. Now, the Lubavitcher Rebbe said time and time again that we can and should use Gashmias 
in order to achieve our Ruchniistic goals. So we're supposed to embrace Gashmias, not reject it. But let's continue. We can't let the difficulty of abstinence from tech stop us from cutting back. Our matriarchs never let difficulty stop them. We must, so, okay. They, well, they also didn't have running water. We must work against the tide, as Sarah Rifka and Rachel did, as the women in the ghettos did. Okay, amazing. We should work and experience Judaism like the women in the ghettos did. Now, my grandmother was in the ghetto. I promise you, you don't want to go back to the ghetto. As the heroines keeping Shabbos in the 1950s and 1960s. So we're equating using technology to one of the Sarasa Debris. Okay. Why do we need change, he asks. Because we were tasked with the opportunity to live higher. Now, mind you, I'm reading tweets. So she writes, and now he's quoting Rev Weissmandel in his earth-shattering prayer post-war. Quote, my tefillah is to the Bayre Eilam. Let my live children sanctify your name in this world as my children, the Kedoshim, are doing so in the next can't can't disagree with that. We can sanctify Hashem's name in so many ways, technology included. Next, a letter from Mrs. Tsipora Erman. A letter. So I guess she wasn't there. She is a Shetamacher in Lakewood, and she wrote, My gorgeous Instagram page is not the source of Parnassah. Well, that's funny. It's mine. It's Hashem. Yes, it's Hashem, but you still have to show up to your job. I'm throwing away my Instagram page as a carbon to Hashem. Um, she continues... Another voice, another woman who wasn't there sent a letter. My Insta page had close to 15,000 followers, but I heard the messages of the Rabbanim. I wanted to do the right thing. I started to use more refined shots, and then COVID hit. I took down my page knowing that if I give it up for Hashem, he will give me back more and more. Then Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky speaks, my bracha is that the ladies, Nashim Tzitkaniyais, willing to help others, should always have Simcha and Bizecha to the Geula Shlem Bekarv. Amen. But are you suggesting that if I use social media, I'm not going to bring Mashiach? Because, you know, I don't think that's true. All right. Then Rebertson Rina Tarshish speaks. I heard wonderful things about her. I heard that she's also very zealous about the use of or non-use of social media. And she, this is all in the tweets, compares herself to the shots before the holiest days. She said, every single one of you women who came out to show that we, that we really want to be greater, we will be graced by the words of the Rosh Hashiva who will come later to address us. She continues that it says in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, uh, I don't want to be part of the difficult time in Mashiach times, or I want to be a part of that time and I will sit by the waist of the donkeys of Mashiach. So you're saying that if we use social media, we are sitting on donkey khaki. Got it. All right. She continues, the Nisayan of our generation is technology. It is difficult. I agree, by the way. It is difficult and we can be Esther Amaka today despite the hardships. We can join the Great Ones because we will be coronating Hashem in our unique and unprecedented Nisayan. The ones who have the power to ensure that we are Melech Elyon are the mothers. It's not just one in 20,000 women here tonight. Whether I never use technology or whether technology is my reality, wherever I am at, I can strive for greatness and attempt to live higher. I Again, that I agree with. Again, Rabbi Gottlieb. 20,000 people came together tonight without any advertisements on the internet or similar or similar <laughs> outlets. Well, that is not true. Everything is rain, he said. Everything is clean. There's no such thing as not advertised <laughs> on social media because everyone was talking about this event on social media. It, it spread by word of mouth. It was shared in WhatsApp groups. It was conversations that I saw on the I'm a Mother blog. Um, 
on on the forums there that that just that's just it's absurd to think that besides the fact that a photo was tweeted out of the organizers of the event staring at a smartphone coordinating the details so to, to suggest that social media wasn't involved in making this happen is ridiculous okay Rabbi Gottlieb and some, we have to make technology a growth area. Technology has to be an area of godless, an area in which we are, in which we can shine. Quoting Rev Solomon, we can't guarantee protection for our children in this generation, but if we do what we can, we can daven for Hashem's protection. Well, I'll tell you this much. If your kids have a smartphone, you'll know where they are at all times of the day or night, so that's keeping them safe. By the way, they still haven't found Maishi Kleinerman, and I, I hate to say it, but if he had a smartphone, a kosher smartphone, he'd be trackable. Okay. He, con- he concludes, it's in our hands to make our eyes look up rather than constantly looking down. Let all of us take on a Kabbalah tonight, then reach just a bit higher for another step yet higher. And that concludes the tweets uh, regarding the Asifa last night. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I- I'm looking at these videos. The only photographs that came out of the entire event were taken by men, of men on the panel. I'm, I'm not saying these people are not Sadiqim and Rabbein, but like it just doesn't sit comfortably with me. Maybe it's because I'm a Lubavitcher at my essence. The Rebbe always said that the women could accomplish more than the men. And I think this event would have been so much more effective and well-received if it had been organized and presented by women. But, uh, But that's just me. And that is why I am proud to share that I organized a Zoom conference that will be taking place on Monday. I have invited a number of wonderful women to speak on a whole host of topics that can help us elevate social media and use it with intention. Some of those topics include sharing sensitively, establishing trust, conscious branding, supporting our sisters, uh, encouraging social media breaks, recognizing your responsibility, inspiring change, coping with criticism, pause before you post. And that Zoom will be held Monday, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you would like a link, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Music. And I will share more details about that. Now, this week's episode has been brought to you by dailygiving.org. I was at a school dinner this week and I actually left my phone at home because I wanted to be in the moment. And I had a conversation with a woman who told me that she's a daily giver. I brought up the concert and said, hey, did you ever hear of daily giving? And she said, yes, I actually give a dollar a day and I feel great about it. And I was like, wow, this really is a movement. So if you haven't signed up for dailygiving.org, how are you giving tzedakah every single day? Are you jamming a dollar bill into the pushka? Because that could be tricky. So sign up for daily giving. Give a dollar a day to all the different organizations that need it. You'll get an email. It'll let you know where your dollar went together with everyone else's dollars. We are currently giving over $10,000 a day to charities all around the world thanks to your donations. So sign up for dailygiving.org slash the weekly squeeze so that they know I sent you. All right. This is a great story. Undies for Everyone. Yes, you heard me right. There is an organization called Undies for Everyone that feels that one pair somewhere could just be the change a child needs. Get that? The change a child needs. Underwear insecurity makes everything about the school day harder. It's hard to concentrate on learning or make a friend when a child is afraid they will be discovered without underwear. I did not know there are children who go to school without underwear, but apparently there are. And Rabbi Amy Weiss... (laughs) Gosh, why? Why can't you just be regular? Why do you have to be a rabbi? Why? Why? This is such a good story. You're killing me here. I just don't like extremism. Just... 
be in the middle of the road, and then we can all live happily ever after, okay? So Amy Weiss is the founder of UFE, Undies for Everyone, and apparently she recognized a need for an organization that provides clean underwear for children who are economically disadvantaged. Or their mother forgot to do the laundry. (laughs) Just because your kid is not wearing clean underwear doesn't mean you're poor. It could just mean that you're busy. All right, all jokes aside, the UFE... (laughs) The name just is like the UFOs, the UFEs, the unidentified flying underwears. The UFE uh, provided 1.4 million pairs of disaster relief underwear to affected men, women, and children during Hurricane Harvey. So that's beautiful. And now they are providing clean underwear to 100,000 students across the United States who receive seven pairs of undies every week so they can go to school fresh and clean, ready to take on the day. The mission statement is underwear is for everyone. We provide children living in poverty or crisis with new underwear, recognizing the importance of this small basic need as part of a child's increased chances of long-term success. Beautiful. Unstehazen for Alleman. I love it. Now, if you're sending your kids to camp, you are well aware that you are not getting any of the underwear back. So despite the fact that you are paying $3,000 for four weeks of overnight camp, you're also spending $3,000 on underwear that you will never see again. Now, I have to be honest with you. When I started this podcast, I never thought I'd be saying the word underwear over and over and over. But apparently, (laughs) you do what it takes. And as far as Rabbi Amy Weiss goes, chaval that you want to be a rabbi because something like this makes you a Rebbitzin, in my opinion. And Rebbitzin Amy Weiss just has a nicer ring than Rabbi Amy Weiss. That's right. That's right. Okay, next. I love feel-good stories, and this is definitely one of them from Jewish News Arizona. A Holocaust survivor's collection of over a thousand miniature books speaks volumes about her resilience. There's a photo here of a Haggadah, and it is teeny tiny, the size of your index finger. And this collection belongs to Lily Toth, who was born in Budapest in 1925. She survived the Holocaust and managed to amass something very small and very valuable, a collection of 1,119 miniature books that are a testament to her resilience and worldliness. Her collection, which she gave over to Montreal's Jewish Public Library prior to her death last May... Uh, and which the library will honor in an exhibit starting May 15th, is as diverse as the inside of Barnes & Noble's. There are cookbooks, musical scores, sports-themed books, and children's books. The tales of Peter Rabbit are included in this collection. It's one of the finest miniature book collections in Canada. Uh, This is pretty cool. I did not know that miniature book collections were a thing. When I was a kid, I had an eraser collection. That was before the internet, when we collected things to keep ourselves busy. We collected actual things, not likes. You see, I have a healthy relationship with social media. None of my kids use social media at all, or collect racers, but that's a different story. Anyways, you can read all these little tiny stories at jewishpubliclibrary.org, or you can go to the exhibit in Montreal's public library. This is really cool. The children's literature. Cute. I'm clicking on this. Let's see. Cute. The Magic of Carousels. These books are teeny tiny. Wow. ABC of Insects. Nearly too small to open. This tiny leather bound. I love that it's leather bound. This leather bound volume is the second edition. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, each letter of the alphabet corresponds to an insect with a black and white illustration of the facing page. A is for ant. B is for bumblebee. C is for caterpillar. Wow. <laughs> this is amazing. This is a worthwhile... Just for this alone, the internet is worthwhile. You can 
explore teeny tiny books. You can see Peter Rabbit, the entire set fits in the palm of your hand. The magic of carousels. Cute. Wow. I love this. I love books, bigger or small. And this is a great story. This is also a great story. Haredi protest against cell phone store turns violent. B'nai Brak, another Haredi protest against a cell phone store turned violent on Tuesday. Several protesters were arrested after they smashed the store's front door and glass and clashed with police. Why, why would they do something like this? Hundreds of Haredim attended the protest to demonstrate against isolated cell phone shops, which remain unsupervised and a threat to the city's residents. All right, well, vandalism is also a threat to the city's residents, so that's something to take in consideration. Kosher phone, which the store is called, obviously doesn't have a hechsher, or apparently doesn't have a hechsher, and that is a problem for Haredim in Bnei Brak. All right, to each their own. Let's move on. Now, I don't know if you saw, but there was leaked footage on Twitter of 20,000 dead cows on the side of the highway in Texas. Baruch Hashem. We don't have to worry about the non-kosher meat business in the United States or around the world. But we do have to worry about Israel's meat market because as Knesset member Yulia Malinovsky said, it might be kosher, but it stinks. So there was a meeting this week between Knesset members and Rabbi Avraham Bubut, the head of the chief rabbinate's meat processing department. Now, I'm not going to get into all the tedious details, mostly because I don't understand them and I actually don't even eat that much meat. But Bikitzer, Israel pays Shaykhim abroad to work under the Rabbanut so that the meat here in Israel has the Rabbanut's hashgacha. So the bill proposes that instead of sending Shaykhim from Israel abroad, Shaykhim that work under the hashgacha of the Rabbanut here in Israel, to simply accept more hachsherim abroad and cut the costs of sending shachtim from here abroad. You see? <laughs> Clear as chalent. All right. Well, you know what? You don't have to eat meat because now, I-, I wish I was making this up. I'm sorry to say that I am not. This is just, you can't even make this up. Gefilte dogs from Manischewitz. That is right. Gefilte dogs, stadium-sized, made with real gefilte fish, Bubby's recipe. You could pop them on the grill and have a pariv gefilte fish-flavored hot dog just in time for July 4th. Thank you, Manischewitz, for making a product that we did not know we did not need. <laughs> oh, I actually love gefilte fish, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind trying this. I feel like it has to be done right. Like, you need a toasted bun and you need hreinaise, or you could just slice it up and add some vegetables and some of Jamie Geller's spices and mix it all together and then throw it in the garbage and open up a can of tuna fish and eat a normal tuna fish sandwich like a regular Jew. And that's it. Enough of this sticky stuff. We don't need any more processed food in our lives. Thank you, but no thank you. Okay, just in case you thought that was the leading story of the week, it's not. Because apparently there is a teenager that can solve a Rubik's Cube in seconds using only his feet. And of course, he's Jewish. Daniel Rose Levine can solve a Rubik's Cube with his feet. Which is amazing because I can't solve a Rubik's Cube with my hands and the internet. So that's a phenomenal feat. And of course, leave it up to the Jews to do all kinds of amazing things like have tiny little books and solve Rubik's Cubes and make a filter fish hot dogs. I mean, seriously, how could anyone hate the Jews? We're just, we're winning at life here. Speaking of winning at life, the Weekly Squeeze is on its way to becoming the number one Jewish podcast in the United States. So be sure to send it to your friends, subscribe, drop us a five-star rating, and we will see you next week.